Thank you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my usual disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual, professional, medical, or mental health advice. Hello, and welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, Kara Curran Selfelli. I'm Kara's Kitchen on Instagram. And I'm a certified holistic health coach and I help men and women heal their relationship with food, make peace with food, make peace with their body, you know, break free from binge eating and yeah, just make food no big deal and help them feel really empowered in their own skin and help them be unapologetic about the way that they look. And it's the most incredible work I've ever done on planet earth and I'm so grateful for it. So thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for sharing it on Instagram or with a friend, with those in your life that you care about. I'm so grateful to you and to be doing this work. I do not take this for granted. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to you and to be a contribution to you. Happy New Year. This is going live on January 2nd. Holy bananas. I can't believe it's 2019. Where did my life go? I don't know. It's still going. Uh, Time goes by so fast. Um, today on the Love Your Bod Pod, we have Allie Bonaire. She is Avo Queen on Instagram. She is a firecracker. She cracks me up. You guys really have to follow her on Instagram. Her voice is so healing and so needed. She's so real and raw and vulnerable and relatable. And I met Allie earlier in 2018 because she was a participant in my group coaching program, Break Free from Binge Eating. Yeah, so that's how we met. She was a participant and she was so awesome in the group like she was just as vulnerable and honest in the group as she is on Instagram and it was really lovely to to be a part of her journey in that way and then towards the end of the interview she actually talks a little bit about uh being in the group just casually like I don't ask her any questions it just comes up in conversation which is really cool so you'll get to hear a little bit from her about her experience now the group coaching program has evolved since she was in it Uh, It is now an online course plus group coaching calls. So when she was in the group, there wasn't the course. There wasn't the school, uh, Break Free from Binge Eating. There was just the live group coaching calls. And it's evolved to where a lot of the content and the education is is in pre-recorded videos. And then I have group coaching calls as well. So it's a more robust uh, program, group coaching program. It, there's a lot more that's included. The information is a lot more well-rounded. There's a lot more support and integration than it, it used to be. I'm really excited about the evolution of the course. So if you're interested in being a part of it, um, the next round, the next group is going to be happening later this month in January. And I'd love to have you in that group if you're interested. So be sure to get on the wait list. Um, I cap it at 15 women. It's a very intimate group. So if you're at all interested, I encourage you to get on the wait list because I'm going to open doors to those on the wait list a week before I start announcing it publicly. So if you're at all interested about the group, I encourage you to get on that wait list. There's a link in my Instagram bio and in the show notes here on iTunes if that's where you listen to them. Without further ado, let's dive into the interview. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod pod. Today, we have an amazing guest with us. Her name is Allie, and she is a nutrition fiend, recipe developer, and above all, a foodie. After struggling for over 10 years with restrictive and binge eating, 
Ali was inspired to start Queen Foods, a wellness company with the aim of empowering women to reimagine their relationship with food and ultimately bring fun back into eating. She studied nutrition at UC Berkeley and can be found at Avo Queen and Queen and Co. Allie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so to, before we kind of dive into a bunch of questions, um, congrats, by the way, on the launch of Pumpkin Spice. Like I've watched you on Instagram stories and I know it's been cray cray. You've been like pulling till like 1 a.m. So that is like pure entrepreneurial life. Like you're giving people the inside view. Yep. Um, but I want to ask you a couple of little fun questions just to get started. I call it awkward first date questions. Okay. Love it. So I'm going to ask you a few and then you get to add one to okay. the mix for the next guest. Ooh. Okay. Cool. Okay. First one. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, okay. So I really wanted to be, this is so weird, but, um, I wanted to be a firefighter when I was like little, little, which is really bizarre. <laughs> like, which is, I don't know. I wasn't even a tomboy, but I just, I really liked like the shiny fire trucks. Um, but then as I got older, I wanted to be in the medical field, like in some capacity. Um, never actually really wanted to be a dietitian, even though I went to um, school for nutrition. Um, but I was thinking more pre-med and kind of along that route. Thank God I didn't because I hate blood. I get, I like pass out. I remember I like had to pretty much like take Xanax before my anatomy labs. And, um, also I just hate sick people. So I think it was kind of more this like ego thing of like, Ooh, I want to be a doctor and like, mm. like, a badass, like, doc, like female, like boss, you know? Mm. Um, but then I had like a quarter life crisis and I was like, I failed OCHEM. Like, why am I doing this? You know? <laughs> and I hate sick people. So like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Well, I love that you keep it real with yourself that you were like, this was kind of like an ego driven thing and not like a passion or like a core or a deep sense of service. It was more of like, I'm Allie, I'm a doctor, like look out. I think it's really cool that you can keep it real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you get kind of sucked into that, like, you know, when you're younger and you like are floundering and you don't have a path, so for me, it was like, okay, like if I have this path, like this is, you know, cause it's scary after you graduate, you're like, I don't have a job. I don't know what real life is. So that <laughs> felt like more safe to me until I realized like, I would really hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand. Um, okay. So if you could have the answer to any question, what would you ask? Oh my God. Oh, I love that. Okay. Mine would be, um, like mine would be when I'm kind of, when I'm on my deathbed, what is my biggest regret? So then now I could like help to mitigate that, you know, or like do that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's a great question. I love it. Okay. Now a fun one. Are you a center brownie person or an edges brownie person? Edges all the way, but like you have to get that, you have to have a big enough piece that has a little center. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So kind of like a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want my cake. <laughs> cool girl. Do yeah. it. Uh, crunchy peanut butter or smooth? Oh, crunchy. Ooh. Okay. My, yeah. my boyfriend is like so smooth train. He like, he like can't do, he's like, no, I don't want peanuts in my peanut butter. Oh my God. No, I, I'm like ADD with my eating. So like anything I need crunchy, I need textures. Actually, someone was saying that we should come out with a crunchy granola butter, which I don't really know how that would work without being soggy, but like, we'll work on it. Maybe once we get acquired by like, you know, General Mills or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Then you can, you'll have more money for like R and D. Yeah. 
What was that? Say that again. I said they can engineer it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They'll have a team of food science scientists figure it out. Totally. Okay. One of my favorite quotes is this. You cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it has made all the difference in the world. And that's from Steve Jobs. Love that. So can you connect the dots for us? Like what led you to where you are now doing the work you are doing to help women? So you're very vocal about your struggles with food and body image online. And then also like what led you to your business and queen foods and granola butter? So Mm-hmm. maybe they're two separate stories or maybe they overlap, but just, yeah. Can you connect the dots? Totally. Yeah. No. So I think, I mean, I love that quote first of all. And it really, it's funny. Cause when, when your life is happening, you're just like, this makes no sense. You know, like for me, I mean, even going back to the pre-med thing, it was like in college and this seems like not even a big deal now, but it was like at the time, I mean, I grew up um, in San Diego actually, and then went up to um, UC Berkeley for school. So all through high school, I was like super type A, you know, like four point whatever GPA got into Berkeley. And so like failing OCHEM, like failing these science classes for me, I had like three tutors, by the way, it was like one of those things where I had never experienced, like, I'm actually putting in effort. It's not like I'm like partying. I mean, I was partying, but like also trying. (laughs) And it was like, I was putting in so much effort and still was failing. And so that feeling was like, okay, I, I took it very personally. Like this is something wrong with me. Um, and, but when you look back, it's like such a sign that, you know, I'm not meant to go to med school. Thank God I didn't go. Um, but at the time it was like devastating. Right. Cause I was just like, Oh my gosh, like what I'm like a failure, whatever. And so, um, through, you know, trying to control everything else that was like happening in my life, obviously turned to food, um, and started to control that. And that felt like something that, you know, as you know, like with a lot of eating disorders is really the cause of like a lot of, um, issues with food. And so in college is kind of where my issues like really, really spiraled down. So freshman year was probably the worst. Um, and it really wasn't about the food initially. It wasn't like, um, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I want to make change my body and make it smaller off the bat. It was more so a byproduct of like being stressed, being in a new environment. Um, I was doing long distance with my then high school boyfriend, um, classic freshman year, by the way. Mm -hmm. And and so it was a lot of those kind of things. And so, but then when I noticed, um, or people started to notice I was losing weight, but it was, you know, not intentional. I really enjoyed the the, you know, compliments and like that, the feedback from that. And so that's when it like was a a reinforcement for me to like keep going. And so, um, yeah, so that continued like all through college and I really struggled. I'm like super open on uh, my Instagram account about like, you know, eating out of the trash can, um, binge eating, like taking, like using Adderall as a way to lose weight. Like I did it all. And, um, and really like never, I mean, never really like felt the satisfaction, even at my lowest weight, I was like the most miserable. Um, and so I kind of reached this place a few years after I graduated. Um, and it's funny, you talked about Molly because I spoke with her first and she like totally changed my life. And I was just at this place where I was, I think a lot of women are there too and men, but realizing like, you know, you're not so deep in the throes of it where you're 
like. Like I wasn't doing all the really restrictive behaviors and damaging behaviors on a daily basis, but I was just had such a messed up relationship with food and like it was just taking up so much headspace. Um, and I've talked to you about this too. And it's like, you know, I'd be out to dinner with girlfriends and like scanning the menu and immediately being like, all right, this is what I'm going to order. Cause like, that's the healthiest thing. And just the whole time thinking like, am I eating too much? Am I not eating enough? Like how much are they eating? Just like so much dialogue. And I didn't have any headspace to like be present in the moment. And so that's when I decided to reach out to Molly um, and just finding so much peace with food. As, I mean, obviously it's still a journey and, um, and actually it's been interesting lately because I, you know, haven't really had as, as much time to eat because I've been so busy, but like also making sure that I take the time for myself and like not letting myself spiral down back into that place that I was because, you know, with every life change, it's like, you want to control something still. Um, so it's always a journey, but I think, yeah, looking back, I mean, everything, like all the dots just really are connected. It's like a straight line. <laughs> and so now, um, you know, so I launched my Instagram account about a little over a year ago. And just now I've been like, so loving the community that is on there. And, um, and I really decided to build my business because I wanted to, like Instagram is a great platform, but I wanted to have something that was a little longer lasting, um, like a tangible product that really represented our values. Um, and so like my mission with Queen, which is the name of our company, Granola um, mm -hmm. Butter is the product and then Queen is the brand name. Um, people are just like, you're the Granola Butter lady. And I'm like, yep, is that what I'm gonna be known for? Um, <laughs> But yeah, but really just our mission there is, um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there, especially in the wellness industry, which I think it's great. Um, you know, people are eating healthier and stuff, but they really, their whole mission is like, you have to eat this certain way. And like, you have to get as many nutrients in as you can. And like, that's actually what kind of spiraled, um, that me down. That's like what really overwhelmed me and kind of got me into this orthorexic place. And so for us, it's really, you know, yes, nourish your body with like whole foods. I think you're really good at this too, Kara. Like, you know, with your like avocado toast, it's like, like just whole real foods. Um, and then having like your treat on the side and, um, and really like taking care of yourself that way, like nourishing your soul too. Um, and also living your best life. So like our whole thing is like granola butter is like very nourishing um, and made with like good quality ingredients, but also it's kind of fun and it's kind of naughty and it's like fun to play with. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so then we launched that about six months ago and um, and now just kind of growing from there and, and really trying to create this platform and community to help women and men deal mm -hmm. with their issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I definitely think you've created an amazing community online and, and just you've really cultivated um, like a strong sense of like sisterhood or friendship because you're so vulnerable. Like you had shared that you are open about the fact that you would eat out of the trash or take Adderall and that vulnerability allows people to be like, yeah, like dang, me too. Like I've done that too. Wow. Like I have never heard anyone admit that, you know, and maybe someone struggling has felt like they're the only one or that they're uniquely broken or uniquely messed up and your vulnerability of just being like, 
no girl, like I've gone to some crazy extremes in this pursuit, you know? And I think that that vulnerability is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Or even, I mean, if I can serve as someone where people look at it and they're like, well, at least I'm not as bad as her, you know? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no, but it's like, it really is. I mean, I think vulnerability too has become something on social media. That's like turning into, um, kind of a trend. And I, I really love that. I think, you know, like a lot of women, it's, it really kind of parallels everything that's happening in the news right now, but it's like, it just takes one person to be vulnerable and courageous and share their story. And all of a sudden, all these people come out of the woodwork and they're like, okay, it feels like a safe space to do that as well. Yeah. 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 So at the time that we're recording this, we're going through like the Brett Kavanaugh uh, hearing with Dr. Christine Ford about sexual assault in the Supreme Court justice. So we're probably going to find out if he gets voted in like either later today or tomorrow, I'm assuming. But yeah, like there's this uprising of women, particularly, um, who are just ready to raise their voices. And they're like, wow, I'm not alone. Um, And when one person says like, yeah, this happened to me, it gives that other person permission to speak up for themselves too. And there's a lot of power in that. So, yeah, I mean, I just appreciate you speaking those things. And one of the things I wanted to like even talk to you about was like, I have done both of those things too, like buying Adderall, taking Adderall to like not eat and to suppress my hunger and like eating out of the trash can, like just like shit, you know, like, ugh. But you're also really good about, I feel like you're very vulnerable and, and vocal about that too. And on social media, it's tough because it's, it really is. It's like a, a strange um, line between almost like turning people off by, I, I don't know, not turning people off, but I think when you're vulnerable, it makes people uncomfortable. Mm. And almost, yeah. And so you have to kind of build that trust with people. And because I don't know, I've had, I had some people message me and they were like, you know, to be honest, like when you first posted that thing about the trash can, like I was kind of like, what is this girl talking about? Like eating out of the trash. And then they were like, and then I realized like, I have definitely done that too. And so it's almost cr- like doing it in a relatable way, which I think you do really well. Thanks. Yeah. Um, okay. So you had kind of talked about a little bit about how like you, there's a part of wellness culture that is, is helping people, right? Like teaching them about whole foods and honoring their body and nourishing their bodies. But you had also talked about how the obsession with healthful food was really triggering for you. And kind of set you down this path of orthorexia. Mm -hmm. So a common criticism that I hear from a lot of my peers in the anti-diet and recovery space is that wellness culture is the new diet culture. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? What's your opinion? What's your POV? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. I think, I mean, with anything, well, first of all, I think it's great. Like I said earlier, you know, my dad and my mom would never before have a kale salad with a side of quinoa. Like they were very just, they had no real, no food issues. Like maybe, um, you know, my dad, he, cause he was a huge triathlete. And so like, he's like, Oh, if I notice I'm gaining a little, like a couple pounds, he just would stop eating ice cream every night. Like he would do it like five times a week, you know, like he's that type of very like wiry guy. And so for them, like food was just, it, it wasn't, they definitely like ate to live. They didn't live to eat. Um, and so like, I don't know the whole like wellness thing. I come home and it's like, they have, you know, like 
frozen like acai packets in their fridge and almond milk. And it's just like, it blows my mind. So I really love that part of the wellness industry. Um, I think it's becoming a lot more accessible to more people. And I think even with, you know, some of these bigger companies doing, um, more wellness focused products, like a lot of people I know are, are kind of haters against like the bigger companies acquiring, like I know Coca-Cola acquired Suja juice, um, way back and, and stuff like that. But I think it does make it more, more reasonable financially for people. And so like, whenever that happens, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Um, but with anything, like you can take it too far. And I've had to unfollow people on Instagram because it's, it really just, it stresses me out. And it's like, you know, I think the stress will, will kill you faster than any GMO brownie ever will. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So I think I've felt like a lot lighter, um, not even from a weight standpoint, but just mentally and, and physically less stressed when I'm just eating intuitively. And, um, I mean, I'm drinking a green juice right now. I have one like almost every morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's, but I do it because it makes me feel really good. Yeah. And um, like, it's not, you know, something where I'm like making up for what I had last night or anything like that, where it's totally just a mindset shift. Like in the past I would have, you know, say I would have had like something that I deemed like unhealthy the night before that next day I would totally just, you know, maybe drink green juice all day or I don't know, or make up for it in some ways. But, uh, but I think wellness, like it just depends on your frame of mind. I mean, it can be kind of disguised as an eating disorder for people who take it way too far. Um, like I used to, but for the most part, I think, I don't know, it's a really great thing. And I'm really passionate that, um, nourishing your body with like healthy foods most of the time makes you feel incredible. And, um, yeah, but also leaving room for like stuff that fills your soul too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important, really powerful and important thing that you pointed out that a lot of it is a mindset. And if you end up like, let's say that you're pursuing this new like health and wellness journey, and then you have a day where you like eat pizza and beer, if you're able to be like, I had pizza and beer and it was awesome and I loved it and great. And like, now I can tell my body wants a salad tomorrow. And you're, so you just like go and have a kale salad the next day, like no biggie, no big deal. That's like a really healthful mindset to have around like food and eating. But if you're on this pursuit of like health and wellness and then you eat the pizza and beer and then you feel horrible about yourself and you feel guilt and shame and you're like, oh no, like tomorrow I better get back on the wagon. I'm using quotes. Totally. That's the mindset where it's going to be really triggering. And it's whenever you feel bad about yourself, like where you have a moral attachment or an emotional attachment to your way of eating, that's when you kind of are on that slippery slope and it becomes really triggering and you're setting yourself up for that disordered relationship with food or that feeling of like, I'm being good or I'm being bad. And so I do agree with you a lot that there's a lot of really great things happening in the food industry. Like we definitely have a food system that has some aspects to it that I don't think are good for the planet and they're not necessarily good for animals and they're, they're not always good for, for people consuming different types of foods, not to demonize certain types of foods by any means. But I definitely think that there are things that are happening with wellness that can be beneficial, assuming you have a healthy mindset and a healthy perspective on your body and, and with food. So like to, to what you had said about Coca-Cola acquiring Suja, well, now that means that organic cold-pressed juice 
is likely going to be available to people who don't live in Southern California, who don't live in agriculturally rich states Mm -hmm. where eating this way is really common and really accessible. And it's likely now that people in more rural areas are going to have access to these things. And so you're right, that accessibility is powerful and that's important, right? Like it's not that like we could go down the rabbit hole here and talk about like capitalism and like, oh, the quality is going to go down and all of this stuff. But like, that's just a whole other conversation. I really loved what you said. I do think that your mindset and your relationship with yourself and the food is truly where it's something that's empowering or it's something that is problematic. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, we can even like along that same no, I, I used to be so, I went so, I was so many extremes. So I was very, obviously when I was in my disordered relationship, I was looking up every diet and the best thing to eat. And then in my recovery, I was very like anti-diet and, you know, like all diets are terrible. And I think now I'm just at such a more balanced place where like with Whole30, for example, and like those type of programs, I think, you know, for some people who don't have any disordered past, like I think it's a great entry point for um, Americans who are just kind of like, they want guidelines a little bit and it's like, they feel like shit and they're eating the standard American diet and they don't know what to do or like how to help. So I think, like I said earlier, like wellness is becoming more widespread. Like I saw collagen at uh, like vital proteins at CVS last night and it's just, it's at Costco too. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't know. So stuff like that is kind of cool. I think we feel like, wellness might be masking an eating disorder because we're in this tiny bubble where that definitely could happen. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's just all, I guess, perspective as, as everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that you can't look at it in a silo. I think that if you're just looking at the population of people with disordered eating and they're, they're using health as a way to mask their disordered eating tendencies, or if they're gaining worth, like self-worth out of, oh, like I ate so good today, so I feel good about myself, that's obviously where it's problematic. So yes, if we're using wellness culture or like we're using our pursuit of health as a way to disguise our disordered eating tendencies, then yes, it's totally problematic. And do I think that it's totally possible that someone does not have a disordered relationship with food, does not have poor body image, but just doesn't have that much education about health and nutrition and foods and knows that they're not physically feeling that great like they're sluggish, they're fatigued, like maybe they're not sleeping that well, maybe they have digestive issues and they're like, huh, okay, yeah, I'm going to try this whole 30 thing and give whole foods a shot. Maybe they're not used to cooking for themselves. Can they go about that in a very healthful way where they're not slipping into disordered eating tendencies or approaching it from the diet mentality? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Again, it, it, you can't look at it in a silo. I think extremes or black and whites are really problematic because there's a lot of grayscale. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Live, live life in the gray, baby. <laughs> yeah, totally. So like there are totally people that can do whole 30 and have a great experience. And then there are totally people that can do whole 30 and it's just a diet to them. And it's really triggering. Yes. Yeah. There's actually, um, uh, a gal, do you know, do you follow the girls on sweats in the city on Instagram? No, I haven't heard of them. So they, well, they're kind of more, I just, we kind of developed a friendship, like Instagram friendship, um, yeah. but they're more of like their fitness bloggers and stuff. And, um, but they have really kind of started doing some more food stuff. And I really liked this one, um, quote that she, that she posted on her story. There's two gals and she said, you know, diets don't work for me and restriction, like restrictive, um, st- 
type eating doesn't work for me because it's like an arrow. Like the more you pull it back, you're going to binge. And it, it just reminded me of like you and everything that you say about just, you know, moderation and, and intuitive eating and stuff. And it's so true because it's like, you reach this point where you're like, you know, your bow or whatever is so tight and then you're just going to snap. And it's just, that's what the, the path I was on for so long. And I'm so over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like what you were, you know, Carl, I think it's Carl Jung. He says what you resist persists. Yeah. But of course, like the more tightly you grip onto control and perfect eating and you're like, eat perfectly, eat perfectly, eat perfectly. And you're pulling back that bow and arrow, the, the like further and faster that bow and arrow is going to shoot in the other direction. So you have to have this middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can like easily flow in and out of like kale, green juice and beer and like be chill and be cool and like be a normal eater, you know? Mm -hmm. And something that's helped me a lot is, which, you know, is surrounding myself with normal eaters. So Mm. my boyfriend, um, most normal eater I've ever met. And I think most men, not to gender stereotype, but a lot of men have less issues with food. Yeah. Um, And so it's been great just to, I mean, now I'm, I'm better on my own, obviously, but like it, it was just, it was weird. I would almost like have to watch him when I was first kind of like relearning to, to eat normally. Cause I'm like, okay, how does like a normal eater even eat? (laughs) And it's just, it's just funny, but yeah. Yeah. They just don't care about food. Food's just kind of like no big deal. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was funny. Cause we've been in the kitchen for like, like 12 hour days. And so of course we like have been going longer than I'm comfortable with eating, but sometimes you're just like, got to just bust it out and we'll break in a second. And he was so funny the other day. He was like, I was like, should we eat something? He was like, oh yeah, that thing that humans have to do to stay alive. Like it was just so, and I was like, yes, like that's exactly how he thinks of food, you know? Damn it. Like if he could take a pill, he would, you know? Oh man, that's so funny. I mean, maybe he probably likes, he probably enjoys eating, but I, I, I get you. Totally. Yeah. I think that that's, um, that's important for us to like bring on here that like the goal is to not have food be this like all consuming thing. Like food just needs to be food and it's something that you can enjoy and it's something that brings you pleasure, but it's also not the sole focus of your life. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I I think that when food is interfering with your ability to enjoy your life or to go to events or be present with your friends at dinner, that's kind of when you know that you're, you might have a disordered relationship with food or there's some healing that needs to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, so what had you realized that you were struggling and needed help? Like kind of, what was that alarm bell? Like, when did you yeah. realize like, Hmm, definitely. So it was, I mean, I want to say that it was like one moment. Um, and definitely the, the times where it was like, you know, eating out of the trash um, taking Adderall, like those moments, you would think that those were like the alarm bells, but I was so deep in it. I was like, this is what's going to make me thin, you know? Totally. Um, And so like, it wasn't ever when I was at my lowest, um, mentally or physically, it was actually after that. And it was just the constant, like thinking about it and taking up headspace. And so it was when I reached out to like, I mean, obviously before I reached out to Molly and it was just I got to this point where I was just fed up. I was like, I am sick of dealing with this. I, you know, at first I was kind of like, all right, this is a college thing. And, but then I looked at myself, I was like, I graduated college. I have a steady job. You know, I'm living in the city. I need to be, I should be thriving right now. And mentally I'm not. Mm. 
And so it was kind of that realization of like, everything in my life is going really well. I don't need to like control anything, you know? Um, so why am I still doing this? And it, I just realized like I needed the tools and I needed someone else to really help me get there. Um, so that was kind of, it was like more of a buildup of a series of things rather than like one breaking point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that that's, um, I think that that's probably pretty common. You know, I think that we probably will be realizing that like we've been struggling for a while, but maybe we make the decision in a moment of like, okay, I've had enough. I need help. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think there's a series of events. So for you, it was just realizing that it was taking over so much of your mental capacity. It was taking over so much brain space mm-hmm. and causing you stress and anxiety. And you were like, okay, I really want this to change. Totally. And it was, I mean, it's tough too. I just want to remind people who maybe they're currently recovering or, um, or they're like thinking about it. I mean, be really easy on yourself too, because I got really like, especially now I know how good I feel around food in terms of just like lightness and like not as stressed about it. Um, and so I, I look back and I'm like, Oh, I wasted all those years, but really like all of the, like we were saying, connecting the dots, like all of those moments are there for a reason. And Um, I read a quote or I was talking to one of my mom's friends recently and she said something to me that actually really resonated. She said that, um, you know, everything in your life happens for a reason. Like nothing is a waste of time. Even if you look back, whether it be a relationship or an experience or a job, I mean, everything that happens like teaches you something and whether or not it's immediate, like down the line, you'll look back and be like, Oh wow. You know, I'm so glad I did that or learned that. So yeah. So I was beating myself up a lot. Cause I was like, Oh, I wasted like all my college years, but I mean, you know, I wasn't ready to recover then. And so it's all about timing and you have to wait until you're ready yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can totally resonate with that. You know, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now if I didn't struggle for 10 years, yeah. you know, and like the struggle was hard and it definitely, I really feel like it stole 10 years of my awareness. I say that. Cause yeah. I feel that way. But again, the dot, the dots connect, you know what I mean? Like I, I learned a lot through that struggle, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a ripple effect of all of the experiences. If you're willing to be open to them, totally. you know, if you're willing to see the possibility of struggles, uh, being teachers, right. Mm-hmm. Or like the wound is where the light enters, Yeah. Like there's always something there for you if you're willing to be open to looking. So one thing you always share about online is that you are still on the road to healing your relationship with food and learning to accept your body. So you'll always be like, I'm right there with you, girl. You say this on a lot of your captions. Mm -hmm. What are some of the key things that have really made a difference for you in your, in your journey? And I'm specifically talking about like with, let's switch to more of like the body image and maybe gaining weight. And and let's talk about that specifically. Like what's helped you so far? Yeah. Um, yeah. So gaining weight for me has been really tough. Um, just, just because, you know, I, I think because when you struggle with something for so long, obviously you get used to the way that your body feels and looks. And, you know, even if you forget, like you so easily forget that mentally you were so messed up and, and unhappy. And so all you have remnants of that are just photos. And so it, I would say, first of all, never <laughs> or try not to look at old photos because those will just like trigger you. And, um, and I've had a lot of women reach out to me and they're like, you know, 
I just look back at like photos of when I was like 10 years ago and I'm like, but you are not the same person you were 10 years ago. And like your body changes and you talk about this a lot too. And it's like, um, you know, even if you didn't have past issues with food, like your body changes. Um, and so I think something that's helped, that helped, that's helped me a lot is I'm someone who tends to get like stuck in my own head really easily. And so, um, you know, having Instagram as a platform and being able to just talk about it, um, has been incredible. And I know for a lot of people, um, you know, they don't have this like large platform, but so, but that can translate anywhere. Talking to a loved one, talking to, you know, either your parents or your significant other or your best friend, like. I think just getting it out there is so cathartic and you're just like, Oh, at least I'm not like, cause having an eating disorder is so isolating, um, in itself. And so even kind of struggling. Um, so talking about it is something that has really helped talking to someone professionally. Like even if, you know, um, I actually considered recently, like maybe even talking to like you or Molly again, because, and that helped so much when I did the, the binge eating course with you. Mm -hmm. but, but talking about like a different path, um, you know, because right now it's like, I'm so I'm healed with food, but, but those thoughts of like, I don't know, just body image stuff. It, it's ever pervasive, I think, especially in our society. Um, mm -hmm. so talking to someone professionally is super helpful. And I think something that held me back from doing that for so long was that, I, I didn't think my problem was bad enough, right? Like, mm. yes, I had all these issues of, you know, like say like I was like taking Adderall and stuff like that. But, but once I was past that and I was kind of in this like mode of just food was always on my mind and my body image was in the gutter, I almost thought like, oh, like, yeah, that's, it, it's annoying, but it's like just something that happens when you're, you know, being a woman or, um, I just like have like low self-esteem. Like I just kind of downplayed it. And so I was like, Oh, I don't need to talk to anyone until I did. And then I was like, wow, this helps so much. Um, so yeah. So talking to someone, um, professional, um, and then just like finding people to surround yourself with who, um, who aren't focused on body image. Like I am so lucky to be surrounded by a great group of friends who there's so much more to life than food and so much more to life than how you look. And I know for you, Kara, like it's probably, you know, even harder, like being in LA and, and places like that. And like, but there's always people that you can find who are your people. And like, it just reminds myself because sometimes I kind of tend to isolate, especially and like focus on work and stuff. And then, you know, you get, you spend like a night, a really good like dinner party with your friends or something. And you're like, Oh, I just feel so fulfilled. And like, the whole time you're talking about meaningful things and you're not talking about like, and you're like, that was so dumb. I was even worried about like what I was wearing or how I looked in that dress because we had the best time and like stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think those would be my, my top three things. Yeah. Okay. So it was talking to someone. Yeah. And so then to, like a loved one mm -hmm. uh, and then talking to someone professionally and then just yeah, focusing like, on, go ahead. Yeah, surrounding yourself with people who kind of focus on other things in life who aren't like just superficial and and focus on like body image. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that what you, the last the so the first two I completely agree with. I think that a really powerful first step for us when we're struggling is to actually vocalize what we're going through because we we keep it to ourselves. We hide, you know what I mean? Like we shrink right along with it. And I definitely think even for my own recovery, just being like, I have a problem was like a really huge thing for me to like verbalize. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think 
getting out of the monologue and into the dialogue is always what I say. And I just, yeah, like get into dialogue with people. And then I think focusing on things that have nothing to do with food in your body is really, really powerful. Like just realizing, almost getting perspective, mm-hmm. so to speak, of just being like the, uh, the people that I love in my life, I don't love them because they're thin, right? right? Yeah. So they probably don't love you because of the way you look either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And obviously, I mean, I know that, you know, surrounding yourself with that is some people may consider it like a distraction and it is like, you have to really address the root issues too. But I'm saying sure. like, in the grand scheme of things, like I've even noticed with my Instagram account, like I've started posting less food cause it's just like not that interesting to me anymore. And like, I have so much else going on that like really lights me up right now, like my business and helping others with like their body image. Um, so that's what I'm posting about. And, but I even notice sometimes like when I spend too long on Instagram, like consuming other people's content, everyone I follow is in food. And so all of a sudden I kind of like find myself getting back into that headspace. So changing mm. your environment. Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could see how you could like look at it as a, as a distraction, but yeah. again, going back to mindset, I do think that part of like cultivating a powerful body image, like literally what that means is like, you think of your body less. Yeah. You think of food less. And one of the great ways to do that is to go out and engage in your life more and to have a life beyond food and have a life beyond body and to not so much think about your body as something that appears, but like something that allows you to do things is really important. So go ahead. Real quick. Something that was a really tough question. I think, I don't know. I think you had us like answer it in one of your uh, courses, but it was like, you know, if you didn't have an eating disorder, or if you didn't think about food all the time, like what would you think about? And like, what are your passions outside of food and healthy eating? And that for me was actually a really, a really tough question. And it, it just, it being a tough question opened my eyes to like, okay, this is all I'm fixated on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so finding something beyond that has helped a lot too. Mm. Yeah. I love that you said that. And yeah, that's, I, that definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm certain, I'm not certain, but I'm pretty sure that that came for me. Cause it's definitely yeah. something that I ask all of the women that I work with. And it's a part of my group coaching program, which you were a part of. And it's also in my break free online course. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what's a larger possibility for your life? Like, so the quote that I, I think I probably told you in the course or in the group was, um, we don't need to solve our problems. We only need to find problems bigger than ourselves. The antidote to self-consciousness is not self-improvement, but other consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about, as opposed to just trying to like fix your problem with food or like fix your body, but if you found a larger problem, what ends up happening is your self-consciousness doesn't become your main focus. It starts to starts to sort of fade away because you're so much more focused on the other consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about like, if you were no longer struggling with this, like what would you be doing? And to sit there and actually get present to that, to get present to like, yeah, I am spending so much time doing this. What would I be doing? And often at first, some of us are, I think like, I don't know if you were stumped right away, but some people are like, oh God, I don't even know. Oh yeah. Totally. I noticed it a lot when in job interviews, when like right after I graduated, I was like still in the midst of it, you know, and in job interviews, they would be like, Oh, so like, what are your hobbies? You know, or what do you like to do for fun? And that was always the hardest question in the interview. Cause I was like, I don't want to tell them just like healthy eating. <laughs> so I'd be like, Oh, like cooking, like, I don't know. And that, yeah. So that was kind of eye opening for me too. I was like, okay, I need to expand my, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I relate to that too. Like I actually think one of the things that helped me at my time of recovery was actually to, to ask myself that question yeah. of just like, this can't be what my life's about. Like there has to be more for me. My life has to be more than just this struggle with food. Totally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So when you were thinking about that question, looking back of like, gosh, what would I be doing with my time if I wasn't fix- if I wasn't devoting so much to food in my body? What were some of the things that were coming to mind for you? And I'm a, like, what were you like, wow, like I could be devoting so much more time to my business or so much more time to my job or to the people in my life. Like what were some of the things for you that were there? Totally. Um, yeah, definitely the business. Um, my friends, I think, I think my friends, it made me really sad at first because it made me realize, you know, so much of my time had been in my head about things. And like, yes, physically I was there. I was really lucky to have a great group of gals in college and we did a ton socially. So I was never, um, you know, I physically, I was at all these social events, but mentally I wasn't there. And you know, I was always thinking about like, oh, did I eat too much before that? Or, or oh, I'm going to have to, you know, run this off in the morning, especially because college comes with like so many, so much drinking and so much partying and living life and, and really having fun. And so, you know, trying to be that like fun, yes, girl, but then also at the same time, like internally being really stressed out about it and, and knowing that the next day I was going to like kick my own ass because of that. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like the first thing was like, I thought of was, had this not been an issue, I would have still probably done the same things, but would have just been a hundred percent there mentally. And it's kind of crazy too. Cause a lot of my friends, when I, when they first found out, they were like, well, we had no idea. Like I'm a pretty good actress, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, and so they were like, we had no idea. And like, especially girlfriends that, you know, I lived with in college for years and so that's what I, that's what I mean when I say it's like super isolating and it really is something that, you know, it's, which makes it harder. Cause if someone had known and, and, you know, they've been, able, they would have been able to help me where like, it's almost worse that people didn't know because I'm just struggling with it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jessica Damasi was on episode four and she says that your mind is your body. So if your body's somewhere, but your mind's not, you're not really there. And I would maybe reword it a little bit and say that your mind is not your body. And so when your body's somewhere, but your mind is somewhere else, you're where your mind is, not your body, because they're not the same thing. But I think either way, it's like we're kind of trying to get the same message across. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, I even think like the past experiences that I've had in my life that are like this, those standout moments where you're just like, wow, like like you just remember them for years. A lot of those have been when I've been traveling, which is why I love to travel because I feel like traveling puts you in this place where you just have to surrender. Like even when I was in like the throes of my eating disorder, I went on a family trip to Italy. And like, I remember coming back, it was when I was working with, with Molly. And I remember coming back and being like, I was so chill in Italy. Like I didn't like really care about food. I mean, I cared, but like, I wasn't thinking about every little thing because everything was thrown off. Like my whole schedule was like out the window. And so I had to just throw up my hands and be like, I don't know what we're doing today. Like wherever the wind takes me, um, and being present and like, really, like, I was just so present in that moment where I think it's harder once you're kind of living somewhere for a while, you get into your routine and you're able to control certain things. Um, so yeah, I would just say like the moments in my life that have been the most incredible are when I'm like 
100% there and present with what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I totally agree. Um, okay. We're getting towards the end. So we have a couple of last questions and we'll wrap this up. Um, why do you think so many women struggle with dieting and eating disorders? Um, oh, this is a, I could take a lot of different angles with this. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's just the way our society is built. Um, I mean, even thinking about, you know, like Disney princesses growing up, like Ursula being, you know, the evil octopus, <laughs> um, or whatever she was. <laughs> she, I don't even know if she was an animal. She was I think she was an octopus. Yeah. Octopus. And she's just like large and bigger. Yes. Yeah. And like, or like, even if you look at like sitcoms or, or funny movies, it's like, you know, I know Amy Schumer talks a lot about this, like being like, it's always like the like fat funny friend is like the one who's like never gets the guy. And it's just, there's little things that if you look back, it's like, wow, that's really messed up. Um, and so you grow up with this as a little girl and like, you know, saying like, I don't know, I, I even was, I don't know if you said this or I was reading an article about it, but like how with like, we should stop telling little girls that they look pretty, you know, there's so much more than just like, because when you see a little girl, you're like, Oh, I love your dress. Like you look so pretty. And like, that's the first thing you say. Yeah. And it's just natural to us. And I do it too. You know, like I see my little nieces and I'm like, Oh, I love your hair, you know, and you comment about their appearance, even when they're like six years old. So building women up and, and saying, you know, like you're strong, you're powerful and you are so much more than how you look. Um, I think, I think that's changing for the better now. Um, but yeah, I would just say like, I mean, our society is just built in that way. And like, I mean, the diet industry is like billions of dollars and, um, it's just built on people's insecurities and, um, and how they feel like don't feel great about their bodies. And it's always kind of drilling into your mind like that. You need to change something about yourself. Yeah. Um, And I'm all about self-improvement. I just, you know, I think that there's other things about yourself you can improve before just your physical appearance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, what you said is really powerful and I've been hearing that a lot too, just a lot of places about how continuing to re- we reinforce the narrative when all we do is compliment women or little girls on the way that they look, mm-hmm. that we just reinforce that narrative that how they look is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And that eventually leads us to dieting and you know, the statistics say that one out of four dieters develop an eating disorder and a lot of us start dieting right before puberty. So yeah, I definitely think the culture is a huge part of it. Um, and awareness is what's going to help us change that of just like awareness around how these narratives, these, you know, cultural stories that we're telling about certain types of people and certain types of bodies is eventually classical conditioning. You just, you see it enough over and over and over again, where you just believe that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for you to like see it for what it is. Cause you're so in it. Yep. Like yeah. I remember you talking about, I mean, for you, it was like that era of like the super skinny, like Lindsay Lohan's and Nicole Richie and seeing in magazines that is like glamorized and, and everything. And for me, it was similar, but it was more, remember when like Tumblr was big? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I would follow these like thinspo Tumblr accounts and it would just post, it was just a stream of like photos of these, like basically anorexic women. And then like all these accounts, it was like tips on, you know, it was like eat like half an apple a day. <laughs> yeah. Like 
And so it's just, it's like, if that's what you see. And I think like, it was so shocking to me. I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw, it was actually, I loved it. It was outdoor voices. I don't know if I told you about this, but they did, or if you've seen it, but they did, uh, it was a sponsored post, but it was just a normal, a woman's leg. She had a little cellulite, like she was considered bigger than like a normal fitness model. And she was wearing their shorts and it was like, that was the shot. And it stopped me in my fucking tracks because I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, this is what my leg looks like, you know? And, but it's shot. It's sad because that that's shocking to me, you know, cause you're just, you're so conditioned. And if that's what we had grown up seeing, I don't think any of us would have half the amount of issues that we do. Yeah. Yeah. And Molly brought that up too. In her interview, she talked about the outdoor voices, outdoor voices showing, uh, you know, a girl with cellulite. And I, um, I totally agree with you. Um, I read an article yesterday um, about the history of cellulite and where cellulite started to become a problem. And the first time it was ever in a magazine was in 1933. It was in, in French Vogue. And it was right after World War I when women started entering the workplace. And so they were no longer buying a bunch of household products. And so they created the beauty industry and French beauty really started to take off after World War I and World War II. Mm-hmm. And they started to talk about how cellulite was a really bad, awful thing and it was ugly and you needed to get rid of it. And it created this whole industry of like products um, to buy and this new problem for women to solve. So literally cellulite as an ugly, problematic thing was a man-made issue. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, and 90%, like I don't know the exact percentage, but like most women on planet Earth have cellulite. So now all these women have all the, you know, it's 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 just – yeah. I don't have another word for it except like this is fucked up. Yeah, it's so true. Well, and it's so funny because it's all like going back to the whole thing of perception. It's all about perception. Like, and you, I think in your course, you were talking about their societies where being big is beautiful and like women will die because they try to stuff themselves with food because the bigger you are, the more beautiful and powerful you are. And like, it's just all perception. And so how you perceive yourself is, is really everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I think perspective and mindset and the way that you see the world, like we, there's so many messages about that, right? Like what you think you become, or like, if you can, you know, believe it, you can achieve it. You know, there's lots of messages about the power of the mind and the power of the perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just really think that it's very, very, true right like and the most basic level it's like glass half full glass half empty right mm-hmm. like perspective yeah. is very powerful perspective is your life i even thought about that this morning so i was walking on the beach and moving to the beach for me has been something so i this is my parents condo and i grew up coming here like every summer and this was like my happy place and this was always this like pinnacle you know like once i live here i will have made it and it's just so funny and it relates so much. Actually, I'm just realizing this now as I'm telling you mm. that it relates so much to weight because you're almost thinking like once I achieve this low weight and I'm thin, like people will love me and I will have made it. But I'm sitting here and like I walked on the beach this morning and I found myself like I wasn't present. I was thinking about, okay, I have this interview with Kara and then I have to do this. And then I was looking, going at my day. And I was like, Allie, look around you. I'm walking on the beach. Like, this is where I've wanted to be for so long. And I was so stressed out. And it's just funny because it's like, same thing. When I was at my lowest weight, I was just thinking like, okay, like now I have to like keep eating 
like this few calories to stay at this weight. And it was just so stressful to be there. So I think, I don't know. I just, I thought of that right now. Cause it was like the parallels were just like crazy similar. Um, mm-hmm. And you just have to like be happy where you are in the moment, which is so much harder than easier said than done, but it's a work in progress every day. <laughs> yeah. I loved what you said. We always just think there's somewhere to get to. Mm-hmm. We're always just trying to get somewhere. And it's just like, literally like, no, your job is to be right here right now in this moment, because like, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed as morbid that as that is. But I think that that's a representation of our materialistic capitalistic society that constantly bases that teaches us to base our worth on our productivity. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what's the next thing? What's the next level? What's, you know, the next accomplishment that I can get to. And what ends up happening is every time we get to a new accomplishment, we think that we're going to feel happy and we're going to feel at peace and, and everything's going to be awesome. But then we're like, Oh no, I have this next level to get to. Mm-hmm. So you take away your ability to enjoy where you're at and what you've just accomplished you. Cause there's always another level. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's so problematic with our like productive member of society type of conversation that's everywhere that we take away our ability to just be like, life is awesome right now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Preach girl. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give to like your 18 year old self or your 20 year old self? Hmm. How old are you now? 25. Okay. Yeah. So let's do like 18 year old self. 18 year old self. Um, let's see. I would say best advice would be everything will work itself out and just enjoy the ride and the dots will connect themselves when you look back at the end. Um, because I was so high strung as an 18 year old and just trying to map out my life and nothing happens the way that it's supposed to happen and nothing happens the way that you plan for it to happen. Um, and so stressing out about it is not helping a damn thing. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I love that. I think that's really, really potent advice for our chronically stressed out society of just like, yo, chill out, man. Yeah. Roll with the punches. Okay. Allie, thank you so much for being here. I, I just want to acknowledge you for your vulnerability with all of the women. You've helped so many women with your voice and with your story. And I just think you're a kicking ass being an entrepreneur and creating this product that has a really powerful mission and purpose behind it. I think it is so cool. And I know you're an inspiration to so many so many. You are an inspiration to me. I respect you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was so great to chat. Thanks. Awesome. Bye. And that's our show. I hope you guys got so much out of the interview with Ali. I hope you love her as much as I do. She's so awesome. Really, go follow her on Instagram. You won't be upset that you did. And I wanted to thank you guys also for reaching out to me on Instagram and for sharing the podcast. This past week, I'm not sure like what cosmic magic was happening within the universe, but more of you reached out to me about my podcast or shared it on Instagram this past week than at any point since I've been recording it. And it makes me so happy. It means so much to me. Like I, I don't think I can actually articulate effectively how much it means to me, except by saying it means a lot to me. If what I share 
on here wasn't beneficial to you, if it wasn't helping you, if it wasn't making a difference in your life, it would just be me talking into space and it wouldn't really mean anything. And it wouldn't inspire me to keep sharing. So knowing that this makes a difference for you is so important to me. So thank you for sharing it on Instagram. And if you haven't shared it yet, please do so. Share it with a friend. Leave a ratings and review on iTunes. That is the most helpful thing that you can do if this if this podcast has made a difference for you is to, is to share it and to leave a ratings and review. That's really what helps it grow. And it really is what inspires me to continue to create the content, to take the time to put this podcast out here and to share all of um, the messages of the guests and my own message with you. So please, pretty please keep sharing, keep listening, leave a review if you haven't. Happy New Year. I love you all so, so much. And I will see you next week and on Instagram. Bye.